Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. Okay, I'm back with another exciting episode. And I do say exciting. I'm going to capitalize exciting this time. And it's not shouting at you. I'm just really excited to have Elizabeth Berry on. Um, you know me and culture. And if you don't, I love learning about ways to make culture within companies. You know, I don't like work-life balance. I love life balance. And I love integrating a great culture that not only is prevalent in the workplace, but it's also at home. It's also everywhere that you travel. And I'm so excited to talk to Elizabeth because of what she's done and what she continues to do um, is it's right in line with my belief system, my core belief system. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Elizabeth and we're going to bring her on and we're going to have a really nice discussion um, talking about what she's up to and things like that and integrating a nice little story around culture. So I really hope you enjoy this today. Um, Elizabeth Berry, um, well, yeah, she's a powerhouse and she's a force to be reckoned with in the business and marketing world. I love that. She's an exceptional and revered business coach and a consultant to both entrepreneurs and executives. She's written two books on ego and vulnerability, two unbelievable topics. And here's the cool thing. She's going to self-publish four more in 2019. Amazing book. Um, she's a curator of TEDx Hoboken and TEDx Hoboken Women, curating and hosting more than 17 TEDx events and coaching each of the speakers for precision on the TEDx stage. And we all know how difficult it is to become a speaker on TEDx. So that's, that's interesting. And I'm going to touch on that here in just a little bit. But if you're looking for a business coach that will hold you accountable with tough love and compassion, hire Elizabeth. If you're looking to network with a marketing powerhouse, find her on LinkedIn. If you're looking to inspire your corporate teams on healthy communication in the office and with clients, let me say that again. If you're looking to inspire your corporate teams on healthy communication in the office and with clients, Elizabeth is your girl. This is exactly what we talk about here. And on a personal note, Elizabeth, affectionately known as EB, travels the world, loves the heck out of all animals, enjoys a fine Italian wine, plays a piano, and shares her love and energy with everyone she meets. And that's so true. Without any further ado, please allow me to introduce you to Elizabeth Berry. How are you? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I am so happy right now. I'm just in a good space. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on, and thank you for that beautiful intro. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what's really cool is that um, the title that was inspired by Chris Strucker, Culture Eats Strategy, is so true. Strategy is so important, but culture definitely trumps strategy every time because you really have to um, – have that in place in order to have a strategy to take hold and take effect. One of the biggest things is my little slogan there is leading with kindness. And you and I briefly talked about this a little bit. And uh, I told you the challenges that uh, that I had in the beginning, my girlfriend telling me, uh, Jamie, I don't know, it may sound a little weak and stuff like that. 
And I wonder if maybe you can speak to that um, uh, when, when you talk about culture and kindness or even leading with kindness. Oh, that's great. It, leading with, well, my, I just, my new book, it's called The Kind Communicator. And love that. it's based upon um, an umbrella ba- brand called Beyond Ego, right? So whenever we go beyond ego, we find and discover who we authentically are inside. And who we authentically are is how we show up in the world. And as a a business coach and a marketer and a brander, I've just been in environments of entrepreneurs and environments of offices and and whether it's a small to mid-sized or corporate business, I find that communication is the biggest piece of everything. Communication is everything. If there's a breakdown, there's a breakdown in communication. And I find that kind communication is the way to lead. And when you're worried about being too nice or kindness being a weakness, kind of goes back to that vulnerability thing. When you own your weakness, when you own your shit, Mm. you really are a stronger human being. And when you can actually say that and own it, own your kindness as a strength. And I think that you can share that legacy with teams and it kind of cascades to the, all the people around you. I love that when you kind of own your shit. <laughs> See, one of the, one of the biggest things for me that I had a big problem with was um, not really believing in myself. I had a hard time with that. Um and, and, and it was hard for me to be in a position, in a leadership position, trying to help out the team. Am I worthy of that, you know, where I'm at? And I've been in corporate America. And I'm not saying corporate America is bad. I'm not going to say it. It just wasn't right for me. Yeah. And uh, I had a really hard time. Um, there wasn't, you know, when you have some, a boss come and say, learn the mission statement. So don't say anything else, but if they ask you for the mission, say, you got to know it. And then after that, we forget it, right? That's, that's not culture. Um, and I wanted to be able to instill um, a place where people can speak their mind, um, offer suggestions in a place that they felt comfortable in and didn't feel intimidated. And that's what I mean by leading with kindness, not from a point of weakness. And when you say you know, own your shit and it's okay to be kind. What are some of the things that are some examples you might be able to offer um, about being strong, but also being kind? Uh, That's a great question. I think the first thing to do is recognize your flaws, recognize your weaknesses and be okay with them, love them. When I say own, I mean, love them. And that takes a long time. I was the asshole. I used to, I grew up in an Irish household. We didn't talk about feelings. And then I went out to UMass Amherst and I became a little bit of a hippie, smoked a lot of pot, came back to Jersey. And I was like, wow, everyone's like so stressed out here. And it really channeled me into something of a calmer human being. I lived in the Cape right after I graduated. And I was like, wow, people are driving real slow here. And it really just, all of those little things kind of, Um, tiptoed their way into my life into this mantra and obviously 20 years of personal and professional development but 
we have a hard time with um, being defensive. If mm. you're if you're reacting instead of responding, you if you're justifying just to be right. If you're a person that says yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but just to get your message across, not even listening to someone what they're saying. All of those things are the vulnerable traps that we get into where. Um, you know, we're not kind and mm. we're not even aware of it. Most of the time we're not aware of it. So the tips are to breathe. This is what I, I teach a high school class um, as well as teaching adults and um, mentoring young, young um, college kids. First, take a breath. If you breathe before you speak, the garbage won't come out. And I say that from experience because I used to just be like a Flood, like a floodlight, like, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I had to really sit with my shit. And that's why I wrote my first book on your vulnerability, because I had to love my flaws. I had to say, mm. all right, Elizabeth, you can't say that. You, you can't react that way. So number one is to, to breathe. And in my book, The Kind Communicator, and the books that are coming after that, I even talk about the exhales, like the... <sighs> it sounds funny. It seems silly. But the more you can do that you're really going to make a difference in your well-being. <laughs> There's a whole deeper thing I can go into from breath, but breathe, smile. <laughs> it's awesome. really hard to do. Like when, I mean, these are the simple things. These are free. <laughs> you don't need a $30 book or a Tony Robbins course to breathe or to smile. Like I'm giving you two free tips because in adverse situations and challenge and chaos, we're just like, we have a scowl. And that, mm. that makes you need Botox. So don't be scowling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it, breathe, smile, and uh, just really just try to be more present with the moments. And obviously there's a ton more after that. But I think that kindness really takes place when we're understanding, um, you know, in my, the follow-up book to The Kind Communicator, I, my strategy, we're talking about culture strategy, which culture, I would say, from your perspective, is authenticity mm. versus the strategy. But I really tell people to go 10,000 feet above themselves and really study your patterns, study your, study your triggers, your habits, um, bad and good. And sometimes I even tell people when you react, think about how if your mentor was in the room, like right next to you, would you be like, I'm embarrassed now, or your mom or your kid? You know, you wouldn't want anyone to see you in that ugly moment because um, our legacies are being created every day as leaders. And that's why kindness is more of a strength and compassionate leadership and empathetic conversation is really the start of a new you, even if you're 40 mm. or 50 years old. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Mm -hmm. And let me go. <sighs> okay. I got it. <laughs> so breathe, smile, and be present. I, I love that. So every year I have a word. Well, I shouldn't say every year. About three years ago, I started this. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, you know, giving back. So it was two words. I broke my role already. But I wanted to give back more and be, be you know, it was kind of selfish of me because it made me feel good. But it also helped others. And I really enjoyed that. The next year was focus. And now I started getting creative. So focus stood for finding opportunities by creating uninterrupted strategy sessions. Wow. And so I, I, and basically what that was, was to just stop and think, right? 
And so that's how I spent 2018, really focusing. I, I drilled down on one business and, and just really had a lot of fun with that. And it, it, and it was amazing. This year, it's all about listen. Listen intently and soulfully to engage notably. So I, I, I really want to try and embrace that. And by breathing and smiling, it gives me a chance to be quiet, not spread the crap <laughs> and listen. And so I'm really going to try and practice that a lot more this year and be more intentional, more present in the moment. Right now I'm talking with you. I'm not searching online. I'm not doing anything else. My dog is out there. There's no distractions. And so I love how you use those three simple tips. And like you said, they're free. <laughs> and if, if your word is listening inside the kind communicator, there's two great chapters in the end of the book, uh, the listening garden and the rose garden. Um, everything in the kind communicator, it's a book for professionals. So um, like you said, for a mastermind group or for corporate teams or sales teams or marketing teams, when we have a chance to get together and read things like this and understand active listening, um, if there's no, there's no infographics, there's no charts, there's no graphs on how to be kind. I really put um, my own photos of nature inside the book because the more we can understand the nature around us, we can understand the nature of who we are. And at mm -hmm. the end of the book, there's really great chapters, which I think they're great. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're beautifully written, um, very soft, but they teach us more about that active listening that we don't often um, get to really talk about healthily, right? Yeah. Right. So when you go in and you're talking to a small business or a medium-sized business or a group, um, what are some of the maybe two of the biggest challenges you see consistently where you're able to kind of address the issues uh, right off the bat? And then my follow-up question is, um, do those challenges usually lie with the owner or is it with the staff? Great question. Uh, the first thing is uh, defensiveness. So um, I'm a communication coach, right? So there's a lot of different kind of coaches out there. I created my own um, program based upon 15 years of being a marketing strategist. And communication is the essence of what we do. And when we're put up against a wall or we feel threatened, we're defensive. So that's the number one thing that I see. Um, the number two thing is... Um, it's reaction, right? It doesn't even have to be like a negative reaction. It can also be like a wah, wah, cry, cry, playing the victim. Woe is me. People are throwing people under the bus all the time in meetings or talking over each other. Um, there's a lot of that BS, right, in, in business. It's, it, it just is. So with defensiveness and reactions, because of emotions, we're all emotional. We're not um, mechanical. Um it's really difficult for teams to build a stronger culture, like you said. And um, that's why this, this topic is so perfect for your show, because when you have a coach that comes in, that's more like a business therapist. There's not like some sort of like program, like I'm going to come in the door, like Chris Farley with my jacket on and be like, here's a freaking boring ass workshop. No, I'm going to come Down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come in and I'm going to talk to you real, for real. And I bring people's walls down and people start to 
open up and they're okay with saying like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and so the way that um, we overcome that is to really just, like I said in the beginning, uh, be able to own it. And um, is it the boss's fault? Is it the... Um, can, I ask a, can I ask a question before you talk about the boss or um, the staff? So you mentioned you bring their walls down. Yes. How, how do you do that? This is magic, by the way, yeah. I, I think, um, because this is a very, you, you kind of went right over that, but that's a tough thing to do. Yeah, it's, um, it's been an innate quality, and uh, I, I, I should really t talk about it more, but it's just, it's from um, being organic and being real, and I think that mm. there's a certain leadership quality of, like we said in the beginning, is it too strong? Like some people just come off like they're the leader and they're the know-it-all. They're the expert in the room and you don't know anything. I know it all because I'm standing up here and that puts like a hundred walls up. And um, when I enter a room, when I host a workshop, when I host a mastermind group, when I host an intensive, I really just allow people to be who they are. And I am who I am. Um, I'm, I'm a lady, I sip champagne, I sip wine, but I can say fuck once in a while because I'm kind of like a, you know, I'm real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you to own your shit. I'm going to talk about the stuff that you're embarrassed by, the stuff that you're shameful of, because in order to get to that next level of leadership, you can't be out there being a fake or a phony because you're going to be miserable at the same time. And nobody wants to be fake or phony at anything unless they just want to make money, um, have a title, have a status, have a car, and then just, you know, die at the end of the world, like whatever. But to really um, own that, I, I love to, um, organically, I, I have the art of bringing people's walls down. Um, Is it through questioning or I'm, 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 I'm assuming maybe questioning or opening up, getting feedback or? I believe it's through my approach. I mean, obviously through questioning, but it's just my approach. When I show mm. up for people, I really show up for them. And, I feel that. Um, I totally yeah. feel that. Yeah. And even like when, when I teach my kids, I have an, I have a leader, I teach a leadership class at the high school and I just got my new group of students. The first, and, the, and this is like a, a high school class in, a, in an economic situation that's not so great. They have their backpacks on, their hoodies on, and they walk in a class like this. And I'm like, okay. And I had all their walls down. They didn't want to leave my class. Normally, for 45 minutes, my class is an hour. And they were like, it's over? Oh, my God. <laughs> they were like, oh, my God. What a gift. <laughs> they were there the next day, like, all on time, sitting in their chairs. So I think it's really just your approach. And I can help leaders do that. I can help you break that down to have that approach, too. I'm not just taking it for myself. I'm in sure. business to... Um, serve and to be of service. I love that. We, and you did briefly uh, start the trend. We were transitioning into leader versus staff. And I, I, I wouldn't say rudely, but I really wanted to hear that. So I interrupted you. Um, so when you, when you're finding the challenges within a, a unit, I'll call it, um, are, you know, there's, there's the leader or maybe a leadership group. They're usually one person that's kind of leading and then there's the team or the staff what are the biggest challenges you find between the leader and the staff or where do you see the most fault lying I guess you can 
Yeah, say. yeah. It's um, the biggest challenge is again just it breaks down to it comes down to communication, and um, there are a lot of CEOs out there that are too involved. They'll give you. They'll say, "Go out and do all this," and then they'll be like knocking. It's like the micromanagement. Like, where are mm. you there? there? What do you hear? What do you hear? And people feel suffocated that they can't necessarily do their job or be creative because they're told to be creative. And then they're actually at this point where they're nitpicked on every single thing that they're doing. So they're hindered. So then they're questioning, like, why should I be here? Why should I work for this person? So that's a little bit of the CEO that's too involved, right? Or the CEO, or let's say like a manager, right? So mm-hmm. there's a manager and you have teams. Sometimes managers are so high level that they have a whole team to run, but they don't necessarily take into consideration that some of the team members are high level and some of them are very detail oriented and they'll just say, well, this is a project and da da da, and go out and do it. And the people that are high level on that team go out and do it. And then the people that are detail oriented, they come off after a while as someone that doesn't get their job done, but it's the manager that's really responsible for understanding how people receive information and mm. how it down. So um, there's questions and, and uh, a formula that they can follow to say, listen, I can help you with this. Or did you get that? Most of the times they don't stop to say, did you understand that? And then two weeks later, they're like, why isn't this done? And then it's like a back and forth. So, um, and then I, I would say if it is like, I'm going from the faults, right? <laughs> if yeah. it's the fault of the, um, cause really we don't like to blame. Uh, my whole thing is like, no, don't do that. But um, if we're looking at it systemically from a point of view of how to become better or to find yourself like, oh, that's me or that's me or that's me and I want to change. Uh, when you're in the people version of the worker or the coworker or whatever, you're at fault or you're, you have the opportunity to transition when you're playing victim and mm-hmm. you're or you're just like spinning your wheels going or like just that's where the breath and the smile come into place to really just zip it <laughs> um, because it creates less toxicity in the office, less tension and um, less drama. Like just leave that for the movies. <laughs> exactly. That is a big challenge. You started touching on a couple things about, um, you know, did you get that and things and, and, and I'm a big fan of understanding soft skills, mm-hmm. assessing that. And you mentioned soft skills. Um, it's it's right on your website, uh, it, talking about soft skills. And that's I told you when. <laughs> yeah, I I told you I was excited to talk. I am not joking because you were speaking my language, and or at least the language that I believe in. And and uh, I won't I won't take credit for that language, but it, I believe in it. I subscribe to it, and I really appreciate that you went there because I think. One of the things, especially because we're in an environment of constantly hiring, um, what we see a lot of times, that's often overlooked. Mm-hmm. There's a resume, there's yeah. an interview, and then what? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I liken it to um, finding out more about pieces of personalities by in Enneagram or disc assessments or whatever you, you prefer. But that is so important, I think, because it gives you an indicator on how to do how to, you know, converse with someone, how to work with someone. And if you do have a team of, 
you know, people that to just go out there and do it. And then you need people that are a little bit more on a disc, you know, S or C, you know, really detail oriented. Um, that's different management styles and you need to approach them as that person uh, to their strengths or more importantly, know what their weaknesses are. Um, so I wonder if maybe you could talk to that just a tad and, uh, and then I have a couple more questions for you. After. I would, I would, um, um, great question. I would relate that analogy to Tinder, right? So yeah. for those of us who are single and we're online, we're swiping, look left, look right. He, does, he doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. He has, we're just like swiping away. Or if you finally get to the point where you go out on a date with someone, you're eyeing everything. Did he use his knife when he like scooped the peas? Did he do this? Did he, do, did he show up on time? Did he, did all, or did she do this? Or, there are so many little things that we're paying attention to in our personal lives that we should just kind of relate to. And that um, authenticity, right? We want people, we want to be around people that we like. We mm. want to be around people that we can, uh, we, we, I'm really not a big fan of people in, a, in an office being friends. No one's your friend. <laughs> and you can be nice to each other, but no one is your friend. I'm sorry. Like it just, it just, it just don't, don't believe that. Um, but I really feel like we should like you're like I keep saying with like the culture, the authenticity of the people. So think about how intense you want to find your lover or your companion or your your best pal for the rest of your life. You should put the same type of uh, mindset triggers into place with asking the person that you're interviewing because you know. A, a resume is just a bunch of words on paper mm -hmm. and uh, you know people are there's that that there's that that's um that meme on facebook with the dog that's like running around and says lie on your on your resume and how to like herd sheep and it's like <laughs> running around the sheep are going all over the place you know so um really just dig deep but also just understand um how to work with people you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. Authenticity keeps coming back. And it, authenticity, by the way, is a word that gets thrown around quite a bit and, and a little bit too often. And people don't really subscribe to true, authentic. Yeah, right. Um, and so I, I'm glad that you're bringing authenticity up, but then backing it up with some, <laughs> some, some knowledge uh, base there, because yeah. it's, um, it's something that I think a lot of people may just throw around to throw around and feel accepted. Um, but I really think if you subscribe to authenticity, you don't really need to throw it around and say it too much. Of course, there's a topic of discussion. You got to label that discussion, <laughs> but, but it is that true authentic self. And, and uh, frankly, that's one of the words that I used uh, to describe uh, culture each strategy when we started this. How do you want to make people feel? How do you want to help people? And you need to be true. You need to be real. And it's if amazing. You're, not, you're going to be sniffed out at the end of the day. <laughs> if you're fake, you're going to be sniffed out and then it's just going to disperse anyway. So um, why not dig deeper into your heart and soul and marry them together? I'm not saying like become a foo-foo type person, but mm -hmm. like you're saying, I'm a big subscriber to someone not throwing out leadership quotes or words of abundance and joy and um, yeah. All the things that I can talk about for hours and hours upon, or you can too with your culture business, where people are just throwing these memes around or throwing these quotes around, but yeah, you can just be like, um, just be real, right? <laughs> One step at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I want to segue a little bit here and um, talk a little bit about 
uh, your company. What is the name of your company? Elizabeth Barry Consulting. I love it. It's pretty pretty easy to remember. Um, and so <laughs> in, in Elizabeth Berry Consulting, you work with people all the time doing this very thing, helping them out, helping them figure their, their challenges out. How does someone know that they even have a challenge or an issue? What are some triggers that they might be able to say, hey, I need to call Elizabeth? That's a great question because it's very difficult for someone like me to go out to companies and say, hey, I can, I can help your employees because they're not responding well or they're not doing this. And they're thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with my company. <laughs> but there is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not about being wrong. That's the thing. It's, it's not about being wrong. It's about being okay with being wrong and learning how to transform and evolve. Um, uh, one of the big things is just that when you come to a point where you're like hitting your head on a brick wall and you're communicating something and it's not landing well, or and you're frustrated at your job, you think you want to leave. Well, I talk to a lot of people that are in transition that they're just like, I don't know if I should be at this, this office anymore. And we kind of work through that so that they can understand they can't control other people. They can only control their own destiny and the way they show up and the way they react and the way they respond to build their own legacy. So that's one of the ways. And then for entrepreneurs, um, a lot of solo entrepreneurs, which I've been for almost 20 years now, we are saying yes to things. We have shiny object syndrome. Uh, we're not asking for what our, our worth is. We're saying yes when we should be saying no. So I help entrepreneurs as their accountability partner, whereas um, no one will tell you like it is like I do. But in a funny way where there's like analogies that pop in my head. It's, it's really just a show. <laughs> but those are the kind of things that I do because those are the things that people have a really difficult time with. And when you ask your husband, when you ask your wife, when you ask your friends, like, does this look good? Does that sound good? They're, they're going to say yes. They're going to yes you to pieces, but it might not. And you might need a little bit deeper work to become a better leader or a better um, Builds a better legacy, stronger. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it, it goes a, a lot. It's it's usually it's it's you, it's me, it's that business leader that um, uh, sometimes we assume. And when you assume, uh, you're assuming everything is right. It's your own belief. Yeah. And sometimes that outside set of eyes mm -hmm. or ears yeah. um, or voice, mouth uh, can really really help unlock things. Uh, because sometimes we don't know what we don't know. No, we don't no. see it. And we're um, so, we're like in our like little caves where <laughs> yeah. we don't know, like you said, like you said, what we don't know. And that's that, that's where your culture comes in. That's where we step outside and we grow, like we bloom like the flower and um, we just really become more authentic. Bring mm -hmm. back city where just, you, you can't be authentic if you're not willing to grow or not willing to put your face in the mud and say, I messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And a couple, couple things that I've learned that have really helped people out. We have a vision, we have a mission, right? But we really believe in that vision. We really believe in that mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things we talked about in the meeting this morning is how do we make decisions? That was a question I posed to the team. How do we make decisions? And thanks for Gabe Arnold for pointing that out to me. But I, I've, I really thought about that and I'm like, hmm, we've never really just talked about how we make decisions mm -hmm. because what you said, one thing you said in particular really resonated with me, micromanaging and, you know, giving people like, why am I even here? If I keep telling me what to do, I'm, why am I hired? Right. 
So I think of that as like a uh, basketball court. For me, it's hockey. I love hockey. But for the sake of <laughs> argument, let's say we're on a basketball court. Well, there's a boundary line all around that court. And you can do whatever the heck you want to do until you break the rules. And the whistle is blown. The play stops. And then somebody tells you what you did wrong. <laughs> you get penalized. But then the ball gets thrown back in. You get to go back. And so you learn from that. And you hopefully don't make that same mistake again. Um, but it gives everybody a level playing. They like go, be creative, embrace it, do whatever you want. I love that. And for you to bring that up, it triggered that memory that I had there. And that's one of the things. How do you make decisions? Let this. And here I am just talking away. But uh, I, I wonder if maybe you can elaborate on that just a little bit before we wrap up, because to me, being able to convey that in a way that people understand is kind of hard. Uh, for me to explain that. I know what I'm thinking, but I have a hard time explaining it. Yeah, well, we have the word choice and then we have the word decision, right? So uh, the, the reason why a lot of us have a hard time making decision is that we have so many choices and we have a really hard time making up our mind. You know, there's a lot, there's just so much out there. There's so, we can go right, we can go left. We, you know, we can flip flop. Um, but so once we understand that there is a lot of the, different choices out there but we understand that in you know before the buzzer goes off we have to make that decision making a decision I, I told my kids this last week making a decision is a very it's a great leadership quality because at that point in time you've done something that you can stand for and it's something that you can either um think about how to do better next time, which we all do, or think about, wow, okay, I just really rocked that decision and I made it. Because um, what happens is in business and in career in life, when we don't make decisions and we just think about all the choices all the time, we become very heavy, right? So we have this like mm. backpack <laughs> on our shoulders and we're walking around like, should I do this? Should I do this? You know, what, what should I have for dinner? I don't know. Half of the time we don't even know what we want for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Just make the choice and keep moving on. And the big word is keep moving forward, keep evolving, keep. Uh, that's where the vulnerability training comes in. So you make a mistake, okay? Like you didn't die, you know, and you, you just really just have to let it go. I, I use the word like throw glitter in the air. Just throw some glitter in the air. Pink sang the song. It's just such a great analogy to just let it go and move yes. on. Uh. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, Brian Scudamore says WTF, willing to fail. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that. Oh, that's fantastic. So um, uh, we're getting ready to wrap up here because I want to respect your time. Um, but you're doing a lot of TEDx Hoboken and TEDx Hoboken for women and curating. How did you get into that? I started having, it all started when I was hosting events in my hometown of Hoboken and um, the Chamber of Commerce was calling me up and they were like, Elizabeth, like everyone's going to your events and they're not coming to ours. So you have to join. And I was like, no way. You guys are old school. But if, if you hire me to rebrand your, your <laughs> so I ended up joining and um, I rebranded them and I started the first woman of business council. But I was like, wow, okay, I could really host events. And my designer one day was like, wow, you should do a TEDx. And um, so I ended up going out to TED. Uh, 
it's a huge investment. I went out to TED Active for a couple of years, met the best people I could, and I applied. And it's a really big process. There's a lot of rules, um, lots of applications, lots of work. Uh, everyone thinks that they could be a TEDx speaker. It's just, it's, it's like the biggest joke for me. They're like, yeah, two weeks before, like, do you have any like buddy that you have anybody that like knocked out? And I'm like, no, I train these people. Are you crazy? Um, so it's just, it's been a whirlwind. It's been an um, an honor to be able to service my community and service uh, volunteers that get to learn from my approach and, and, and the magic that happens. And as well as just bringing people to the stage that actually have something to share with the world mm. in a unique way. And, you know, stories, stories are some of the, the greatest things that make us human. Uh, they're the things that transcend time when they didn't have the internet or TV or movies or whatnot. You know, you see all these, um, the hieroglyphics, those are all stories. So I'm really just fascinated by that. I'm a huge nerd. total <laughs> <laughs> um, geek, And uh, it's just, it's been an honor to to be able to, to do it really just kind of computes in my head. And I'm like, okay, done. <laughs> Good for you. Wow. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment and congratulations on your books and uh, pre congrats on your four next books. Yeah. Um, amazing. <laughs> um, so I wonder how do people get in touch with you and how do they go and buy your books and learn more about you? So you can just visit my website. It's elizabethbarryconsulting.com. You'll find my new book and uh, The Kind Communicator and On Your Vulnerability on there. You'll be able to buy them on Amazon and iTunes as well as Kindle. Uh, email me for a, um, a, a just get on a call and just to see if this is right for you. And um, follow me on all my social channels because I, I put a lot of different things out there. So I'd, I'd love for you to kind of join me. In my oh, that's show. fantastic. <laughs> Wow. Thank you so much. And it's Elizabeth Berry Consulting. That's E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H-B-A-R-R-Y Consulting. I'll spell it. C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. <laughs> so you can go to ElizabethBerryConsulting.com and uh, learn all about it and check out the books there. Elizabeth, there's anything else you'd like to say before we wrap? I would just like to thank you, Jamie, for doing what you're doing in the world of culture and defining what culture means in 2019 and 2020 and moving forward and just really bringing the idea of culture together within a discussion because um, there's nothing better than having a great conversation with someone about just being a better human being. Oh my gosh. Amen. I love it. Boy, thank you so much, Elizabeth. I, I'm telling you, this was, uh, I was looking for it to this and uh, you did not disappoint. I, I, uh, I learned a lot and I just, your energy is very contagious and uh, you've had a consistent smile there and I've been breathing, trying to think of breathing and smiling more. And uh, yeah, thank yeah. you for that. And, and especially being present uh, here at this particular time. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you too. <laughs> Hold on one quick second. And we'll go ahead and wrap up. My name is Jamie J. I am the host of Culture Each Strategy, leading with kindness. And it's not just me saying that that's strength, you know, kindness. We have Elizabeth agreeing with me and I would take her word way over mine any day. Uh, so we had a lot of fun today. Go check out Elizabeth Berry Consulting. Uh, and thanks so much for tuning in to Culture Each Strategy. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. 
um, or visit us at culture.bottleneck.online to learn more. Um, seriously, if you want to have any questions, you want me to do something different, if you don't think this is a good show, leave a rating review and tell me why. I would love to hear why, and then I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> that being said, my name is Jamie J. Once again, Culture Eats Strategy. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day. Thank you.